HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, a podcast about the curdy, nerdy, and downright funky world of artisan cheese. This is your host, Greg Blaze. As cheesemongers and cheese lovers, we often root for our favorite cheeses to win awards. There's often something on the label that shows it won gold, medal, or best in show, or some sort of ribbon. And on today's show, we're going to talk all about judging cheese, what cheese judges are looking for, and how cheeses are categorized. I'm excited to welcome both of our guests on the show, David Grotenstein, who is in the studio. How are you, David G? I'm very well, thank you very much. Good to be here. And um, Carlos Yescas on the line, who just completed uh, judging for the World Cheese Awards in London. How are you doing, Carlos? Good, Greg. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, both of you. So before we get started in earnest, uh, Carlos, I wanted to ask you, you were the author of the Raw Milk Cheese Petition that's going around the world right now, and I was wondering if you could just give us a little soundbite on that and what's going on with it. Sure. Um, Well, this is uh, really the second part of um, many step process that we're trying to do to engage with the FDA. Uh, and this part, the petition is very specific now on the levels of E. coli monocygenes that were set up at the beginning uh, of the year and that we're not very happy about. And um, the Old West Cheese Coalition is here really following the lead of uh, Vermont cheesemakers, specifically the people at Jasper Hill, uh, who got um, involved with it and started talking to their congressional leaders uh, in Vermont. And they're going to be sending a letter, uh, and that's Peter Walsh, uh, Bernie Sanders, and Patrick Leahy will be sending a letter to the FDA asking them um, to explain how they came up with the levels for 
E. coli that are at, um, in place at the moment. And so we just wanted to show some support to what these congressmen are doing uh, in support of raw milk cheese. So that's what the petition is about. So it's very specific on questions about E. coli, monotisigenes, and as you know, people that are aware of these issues, raw milk is not just one thing, uh, one thing is pasteurization, but another thing is um, microbiological diversity and so when we're talking about microbiology, um, you know, we have to start looking at many issues. And so this is one of those issues. And, and that's, you know, that this is E. coli, uh, which is not necessarily pathogenic, but uh, it, it could mark for other pathogens in milk. And that's uh, what this uh, number that the FDA is looking at. Uh, is, is an important issue. Um, what we feel is happening is that by setting a very low standard of this type of E. coli, uh, they're basically um, getting rid of raw milk cheese uh, because it will be just easier to pasteurize your milk to make cheese uh, to achieve these uh, very, very, very low levels of uh, E. coli. Um, so, yeah, that's a main idea for this petition. Carlos, it's uh, David. So, so uh, is there any uh, uh, basis in reality to that low number that they came up with? And is there any reason that's spurring on this move on this part, any incident or anything in particular? Or is it just an arbitrary move? It is completely arbitrary. And thank you so much, David, for the question. Um, is there's, it's, it's not based in science. This is a uh, this is even lower a uh, number than the number that is used uh, throughout Europe for um, cheeses that are made with raw milk. Um, and what we have heard from uh, Professor Catherine Donnelly up in the University of Vermont is that this is really a recommendation that came from a large dairy. Um, and it was just adopted without any real consideration during the public comment process uh, that the FDA had. Um, and so it, it, there's no scientific basis. It, it really just comes from a suggestion from uh, people that are not advocating for raw milk cheese. Mm -hmm. Just science in, a, science in a vacuum there. Good stuff. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, since uh, what, just a, as a, before we get into to our, to our cheese judging, so what can our listeners do at this point? Is our, is our date to petition the uh, FDA has already passed, right? Or is right now That's the right. it's right now basically it's passing right now as we speak right? Yeah, and this is going to be a very long process. As I said, it's a many part process. So we're, the FDA is looking at many issues, uh, not only uh, pasteurization, but they're looking at different types of bacteria, different types of um, maturing processes, um, and. They are doing this in, in the review of the 60-day rule. So what we are encouraging people to do right now is to go sign this petition. It is on uh, the website of the Cheese Coalition, and that website is alwayscheese.org. Um, you can go sign the petition there. If you write a comment, it's even more powerful than just signing the petition. And we are going to be closing the petition tonight at midnight. 
and we are going to send all those comments and all those signatures uh, to not only the congressional delegation from Vermont, uh, but also to the many co-sponsors uh, in Congress that are getting on board with this. Um, so we're happy to, to say that we have co-sponsors from both sides of the aisle, but there's also co-sponsors from everywhere in the United States. So we want to show the FDA that we are paying attention and that consumers are paying attention uh, about their, their food. And so we, we would love to get to 5,000 uh, signatures by the end of the day today. We are at 3,000 and some, so we, awesome. we are not that far away. So. I, I encourage people to go online, online and find a petition and sign it. Do it. Get online, sign that thing up. Thanks so much, Carlos, for that info. That is. So I wanted to talk to both of you guys. Maybe I was going to start with you, David. So what's, what's your own experience as a cheese judge in competitions? And, you know, what competitions have you helped judge? And how did you, how did you get into that role? Well, how I got into it is a really a, a good question. I, you know, I'm trying to remember back. Obviously, I was in retail. I'd been in retail for a number of years, and I was working at Fairway in New York at the time. And um, I was asked way back when by uh, uh, Gerard Stern to come judge in uh, at uh, Rutgers, and the judging for the American Cheese Society was much uh, smaller at that time. Uh, and it was a fascinating experience. I had no idea that this sort of thing even took uh, place. And so uh, it was a great experience, and I continue to judge. I think I judged uh, th three times more uh, beyond that. What years? Uh, uh, I knew you'd ask me that. I'm not quite sure. 2003 is the one that I remember in San Francisco because I had a funny uh, episode uh, uh, there. So there was, uh, there was there. Uh, there's uh, one other. And then in uh, 2005 or six, 2006, John Greeley, who was the chairman of the ACS judging at the time, had been for uh, many years, uh, off and on over a 15-year period, I think, uh, asked me if I would come and, and be the judging chair for them, and I said no. Of course not. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, because I didn't think I had any uh, skill in this uh, department as either either leadership in this way or organizational skills or uh, cheese knowledge or whatever it was. It just didn't seem like the job. John twisted my arm until I accepted, and it was uh, as rewarding a thing as I've done in my career. Carlos, what about you, man? When did you get in to be a judge? And you, and you just got back from um, judging the World Cheese Awards in London, right? Yeah. So that's that right. We I got in yesterday. Um, I started judging the World Cheese Awards in 2009. I was first invited by them to judge their competition in the Canary Islands, um, and I had been a judge before in Mexico in the in the regional competition in Chiapas. Um, so I started in Mexico as a judge, and then uh, I got invited by the by the Brits to go and judge the the World the World Awards. It's pretty awesome. How many cheese competitions are there out there, David? Boy, I don't know. There's, I, I was looking online today to see how many. I mean, I found like 15 right away. You <laughs> That's know, crazy. Uh, how many? Car Carlos may know uh, uh, more on the international scene how many are, are out there. There are, you know, of course, the certain national U.S. cheese championships here, the ACS uh, as well. There are regional uh, contests, the Big E in the New England as well. I so, haven't been to the Big E in yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. So there, uh, there are a number of competitions uh, uh, out there. Carlos, how many overseas or how many how many international competitions that you know of? Uh, well, truly international. There's probably um, three that go on around the around the world. So there's the World Cheese Awards, and then there's the International Cheese Awards that also happen in, in England, and then 
there's the global cheese awards that are actually happening in Wisconsin, and you know that one is one year on and the other one off, and is organized in Wisconsin. Then um, you know every country has its own national ones. Spain has a very important one. Um, France has a very important one. Switzerland, of course, and then some places have their not only their national competitions but also their local regional ones, and so. I would say that there's a very large number of, of these competitions, and you know it, it ranks in a matter of importance. Um, the World Cheese Awards, not because I judge in them, but I think it's one of the most important ones, um, just in the number of cheeses that are entered and the number of judges that are from around the world. And so it really is the most international one with, with people coming from all over the world, but also cheeses from all over the world. How many cheeses are entered into the World Cheese Awards? So this year we have over 2,700 entries from 30 countries. Now the other awards, uh, the other uh, cheese awards that you were talking about, do they, do the winners of those get to enter their cheeses into that? Is that how that works? Or do they, do they, or do they, all the those competitions kind of work independently of one another? I think for the most part they all work independently. Uh, now at the, che- at the World Cheese Awards, uh, we have a an award that goes for a cheese that already won in another award, <laughs> which is a funny award to get. Uh, but uh, what's but it that? Shows how you know is they're self-referential. <laughs> right, right. I get it. I get it. Um, and uh, David, uh, you got you're the ACS man. Oh, yeah. wait, what was the winner? I was reading up on the World Cheese Awards. So a Gruyere won Carlos this year, right? A Gruyere yes. from uh, Switzerland. Why was that just? Why was that the best cheese? If you could tell me, did you vote for that cheese? I I did vote, and I give it out of a I give it a four out of a five. So it was just a very you know those cheeses that um, that sort of tells you a story. Um, and so this cheese really spoke to me about like where it is made, the, how happy those cows are. You know, it speaks of uh, the alpash and just uh, just a really good, unique flavor that I um, that I just recognize uh, right away as a as a Gruyere and also as an, an alpine cheese. And out of the sixteen that were um, in in competition to won the World Cheese Awards, uh, it, it was just very good. Um, Funny, funny thing is that they, they Gruyere uh, only won by one point um, from the second place. So the second place, which actually ended up in a tie this year with two two cheeses in the same spot, um, you know, were also amazing cheeses. So when we're talking about these sixteen cheeses that are at the last stage, uh, we're talking about sixteen amazing cheeses uh, that are representing good sort of the perfection in their style. Yeah, and that's why you're able to judge them in that way. I'm, and what's the only the only time I was ever an international judge? Mm-hmm. You know, I was in, I was in, in Italy in 2001, and it was their first in, in raw milk cheese awards. And to get to the last stage, there was this massive amount of criteria to get to the last stage. You know what I mean? Like, and it was their first one, and there was a lot of arguing. But then <laughs> we got to the last stage, and there was no criteria except for what we decided was best you know yeah and and it gets touchy at the at those and to decide what really is the best after you get through those categories and I was feel. that a consensus of opinion experience or did you all decide individually no it was a consensus yeah. and like it was a lot of yelling like <laughs> <laughs> like a lot like uh-huh. more than i thought humanly possible about cheese and that was a long time ago for we're me we're very quiet at the acs the judging is very yeah, quiet experience the ACS, there. I always think I, 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 I volunteered last year uh, 
And I was a may have civilized the American. Oh, you're so kind. Uh, <laughs> That's the. We thing. don't have that reputation everywhere, so I appreciate that. Well, no, and, and I, I judge this year as well. <laughs> yeah, and it was, right. and, you know, so it was, it was in, and definitely, I agree uh-huh. with that. It was a very the, well, a, a quiet, private experience. Even though there's many people involved, is very important. The whole, the whole feel of the. Uh, 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 entire uh, the, pre, the judging, the main judging itself, and then the, the best of show, which is kind of what you had described well, is also uh, uh, it's really a popularity contest for the judges uh, themselves at that point. But there's still the same rules apply. Nobody confers with every anybody. Uh, everybody just decides on their own what they think is the best cheese, and it's all numbers uh, uh, for us. The cheese, I, 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 I assume, it works out the same way in almost all uh, judgings and uh, competitions. We don't think of it. Uh, at the ACS as a competition, really the competition is a byproduct of the judging, and that it's in, we're in the pro- we're in the business of evaluating uh, cheeses and scoring cheeses, and by nature of the scores, that's who wins the awards. Yeah, I always think of it, and whenever I whenever I judge it, is like you're it's like playing golf. You're playing against the course. You know, right. The, that's right. The, the the players aren't playing against one another. Right. No judges. The judges don't ever uh, decide which cheese is better than another cheese. You're simply uh, uh, scoring the cheese, evaluating the cheese. So, David, maybe you could tell us how um, how is the cheese divided into categories at the ACS, and like how has that changed over the years? Well, I was looking at the numbers uh, today. The, very, the first judging, which is uh, was in eight, uh, 1985. Uh, there were 89 cheeses in competition and seven categories. I think I judged 89 myself in like a four-hour <laughs> period. This at the, right now, uh, we have uh, 20 categories that results in 105 uh, subcategories. And I think that what has happened has uh, that the, the ACS judging uh, mirrors the course of American cheese making uh, with more variety and uh, many more uh, cheeses within categories uh, themselves. And so categories are born out of uh, what the cheesemakers uh, begin to send us. Do you ever cap that? Do you ever say that we – I mean I know that you want and encourage people to make cheese well and you want them to, to enter into the show just so they can get the feedback. That's what struck me about judging the issue was the most important was the, the forms we filled out to give back to the cheesemakers so that they knew. But are you ever going to cap it out? There's no uh, – there's uh, not uh, – technically, no. There's no reason to cap it out. Uh, everything fits. You know, at this point, we're not adding uh, categories all that often right. anymore. In fact, we actually cut back. Sometimes we'll we'll think a category is, is emerging in some way or we'll get a large number of entries in a particular category that requires the creation of another subcategory, uh, let's say. And then otherwise, the, re- the reverse may happen where all of a sudden we don't have so many – um, entries in a particular subcategory, we may collapse that into. But it's, it seems to have leveled off. It's like, very amoeba-like. That's we're the, very organic. It's yeah. a very organic process. And we examine it every year. Every year we look at the entries that came in. We look at uh, where they ended up. We look at if we need to make a change. We have some adjustments we're making this year in the, some in one category. In yeah, years. I had gone in 2001, and then I came back like 14 uh-huh. years later this year. And it was like, it was a different yeah, world. Uh, it was yeah. really impressive. Um, oh, very nice, thanks. So, uh, Carlos, I was wondering if you could give us a quick take on what your experience was like at the World Cheese Awards and uh, how many countries were represented this year? I think there were 30 countries that entered cheese. Um, and, and you have cheeses uh, from almost every single continent. Uh, of course, Europe and, and North America are overrepresented, but you know, there are cheeses from Africa and there are cheeses from um, Asia. So there's a, there's a bit of everything. What are the categories? Are they- uh, again, like the American Cheese Awards, there's categories. They're, they're, 
they're ever-evolving categories. Uh, so there are categories for the style. There's categories for type of cheese, uh, sorry, for type of milk. Uh, and then there's, because the, the core of the awards is a British award, uh, there's also uh, something that will resemble in the United States the American originals uh, that in, in England is called the British Territorials. And yeah. so uh, those cheeses get um, get a special award, and then some other uh, cheeses that have PDOs uh, also have a specific awards, um, which are, you know, it also speaks about the difference between the two competitions. Um, you know, you're not, uh, for some awards, only cheeses that are made within the denomination of origin um, end up being part of a category, uh, whereas that doesn't exist uh, in the competition in the U.S. Does it, do, the, do the consortium people show up? I mean, are they there, like, influencing you and stuff? <laughs> uh, that's what, they're there. I mean, they, a lot of people are there because the Cheese Awards is part of a larger event that is a trade show. Uh, um, and, and they're around. They, they don't influence themselves. I mean, I uh, it, this is a funny thing to say because you know they're, I don't even know them. Right, uh, I know they're there. They're watching. I see right. them at the dinner afterwards, but I don't sure. know who they are that year. They're like, thanks, Carlos. <laughs> we really needed that one. <laughs> now I know that they're out there. How did the U.S. do this year? They did very well. Uh, the the sorry, Harvison from Jasper yeah. Farms was um, in the top sixteen. That's um, awesome. So that's a very good uh, entry this year. What was the feedback that Harbison got uh, amongst the judges? That, that I mean, I know that you you've had it many times, but there's got to be some people out there. I mean, I'm sure there was that that haven't uh, sampled it. What did, what did they think of the of the Harbison? What were the what were the keynotes? So, and this is what is fun about it is that we when when the cheese is presented to us, we don't know what it is. You you have the cheese and. Because Blind. no one knows Harbison. Probably in the, in the judging table, at the, the last judging table, I was probably the only one that knew Harbison. Um, and the, when the judges tasted it, you know, always the comments is like, is this French or is it not French, right? That's the first thing. And so the, the, I guess the paramount is to be French, right? And so when they, someone says like, oh, yeah, this is very good, it's probably for France. Uh, it's a good thing, yeah. and, but people also describe it as silky and, and you know creamy and herbaceous and full of flavor. You know, all good, good things to say. Um, and, and it was really an amazing cheese. And it's interesting because you know, Harrison is a is a cheese that uh, can be damaged in in travel uh, if yeah, it's not well taken care of. Uh, but it, you know, they did very good work in getting it there uh, at the top shape, and it was. Really fantastic. Great to hear. Did you have? I mean, we had Harbison this, this year, and it fared well for us too. I mean, it was like killer. Obviously, yeah, <laughs> uh, the judging also—it's uh, a good point that uh, Carlos uh, br- brings up—is that the judging at the ACS uh, is also anonymous. People that don't know the cheeses are not identified periodically, uh, invariably. Uh, people who are cheese professionals might recognize something that is recognizable, uh, but you know, uh, by and large, uh, we have a modest uh, uh, eighteen hundred. 
hundred or so uh, entries uh, uh, rather than the twenty seven hundred that uh, uh, Carlos was looking at last week. Um, uh, but again, the, the judges know what category they're uh, looking at, and our judging operates a little bit differently than most uh, judgings. Uh, uh, also, and Carlos can maybe bear me out on this, but I think most judgings are largely uh, technical judgings and that uh, uh, the methodology is to start with 100 points and tick your way down by finding flaws, defects, things you don't like about the cheese or going wrong or whatever. And um, uh, in, right at the beginning, in the early stages of the judging, the ACS judging saw that there, were, uh, there was an aesthetic side uh, to uh, cheese making, uh, where there were uh, there was not enough recognition giving being given to the uh, uh, to a balance of an outstanding uh, quality in a, in a cheese, and that perhaps an outstanding quality in a cheese may uh, outweigh a defect. You know, but the, there was no uh, equality. So the ACS judging is made up of a team of judges. Uh, an aesthetic judge and uh, a technical judge, and they perform the same kind of job. So a uh, technical judge will start from, from 50 points and tick their way down, and the aesthetic judge works their way up to 50 points, uh, starting with some minimum scores, uh, and uh, their combined score is the evaluation of the cheese. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I was an aesthetic judge, and I liked working with a technical guy uh, because I, it, I, I mean, I thought that was a good way to do it. How, how do they do it in the World Cheese Awards, Carlos? Are you doing both both sides like that, or is there you got a judging partner? Uh, we have teams of uh, between four and five judges, um, and um, we do it exactly as David just explained. We we start at 20 points, which is the highest mark that you can get, and then you start deducting uh, for technical flaws, for for issues with appearance, and all these things. So it ends up being more technical. Uh, and of course, the judges that are not um, cheesemakers themselves, but they you know they're cheesemongers or they work in another part of the industry, sometimes have a hard time. Um, right pinpointing some of those mm-hmm. defects. Um, but I, I think that what is, um, what is useful is that because you have a, a sort of a larger team, which is four or five, depending on your table, um, you always end up with someone that is more experiencing one thing and someone that is experiencing less thing. Also, because we have so many entries from around the world for cheeses that uh, many of us have never seen or have never heard of, about is good to have that diversity of judges in one panel um, because it allows us to not, um, you know, mark something uh, bad for a cheese that we don't necessarily know or we don't necessarily understand. That, of course, is now changing because the more, increasingly more judges are um, people that know much more about the, the world of cheese and cheeses that from, from everywhere. And really, the the national judges are starting to disappear. You know, people that are just experts on one single cheese. Um, now, people really know more about a couple of styles and a couple of uh, cheeses from different regions. So, I think that's that's the that's why the diversity in at the World Cheese Awards is important. Not only to have Europeans uh, judging. You know, cheeses that are entered from everywhere in the world, but to have people from all over the world judging cheeses from all over the world um, is kind of more fair. Yeah, I, I definitely I, I noticed the well, my ability was to, to recognize some of the cheese, you know, mm-hmm. just because I've seen it and I've broken them down. And yeah. The, the gentleman that I was with, you know, and I was like muttering to myself, like, ah, I know what this is, yeah. you know what I mean? And not in a bad way, but I just right. knew it. And he's like, oh, 
You know, and and it's and it's funny uh, because when you have the knowledge, you can say, yeah. "Well, the rind doesn't usually look like this," right. or you know, "This is a little compromised in the texture. It's usually the paste is a little pale yeah. in comparison to how I usually see it." Right. And then he could say, "You know, that my partner was like, well, that's this,' and he would explain to it's me. It's like a, it's like I always felt that about working with technical judges, like a free college course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know that uh, <laughs> that uh, you found out uh, uh, things that you never even uh, thought about, and uh, it's always been a, a Wonderful experience. It's great. Yeah. Well, this is all good stuff, but we're going to have to take a little bit of a break now, and then we're going to come back and uh, pick these guys' brains a little bit more about cheese judging. Thanks a lot. I'm Alice Marcus Creek, and I'm Carmen DeVito, and we're the ladies of We, we Dig, Dig Plants. Plants. And today we're asking you to dig deep into your pockets and help us grow this radio station and our podcast and everything that you know and love about us. How do you do it? You go to the heritageradionetwork.org website. You will see a beating heart. It's on every page and you can give a dollar. You can give five dollars. You can give whatever. $500. $5,000. Just click on the heart, donate and help support the radio that you love. The dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. We are all right. We are back. We're like double back. You might be wondering what's going on. Uh, this is Aaron Fairbanks. I am the executive director of the Heritage Radio Network, or as we like to say on this show, the Head Cheese. Yes. <laughs> and I am coming at you because as we head into December, um, you know, we all have a lot on our minds and hopefully a lot of cheese on our plates. And I want to give a shout out to the folks at Emily and Greg for doing an amazing job on cutting the curd every week. Thank you, guys. You're Thank amazing. You. Um, discussing really important issues in the farmstead cheese movement and the cheese world more broadly. Totally uh, critical. It's such a wonderful resource for us to have and one that you listeners um, should show a little love for. Um, I wanted to share with you that we are in the process of uh, working to raise $100,000 to support our programming, to support um, the over 35 weekly shows we do on Heritage Radio Network. And if you love cutting the curd, if you love knowing that there's a resource out there for cheesemakers to have a voice, for cheesemongers to have a space to um, talk their craft, and we know cheesemongers love to talk, um, show that support uh, 
throw a few cheesy bucks our way, you can visit us at www.heritageradionetwork.org. Click that beating heart. And when you fill out your donation form, you can actually click the link to share that Cutting the Curd sent you. And I know that Greg and Emily would be very pleased to hear from you. Yes, we would. We've already taken David's wallet, and he's not allowed to leave the studio. <laughs> what? What? Wait, wait. Oh, wait, whoops. Um, but I will get out of your way um, to make room for more, more of this really interesting discussion. I've already learned so much. But thanks for letting me uh, sneak here in between, in between courses. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Yay! Cutting the Curtis filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back, folks. Um, thanks, for Aaron, for that. We actually we need to get out there, donate to us. Come on. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit more. We've got a little bit more time here to talk with David and Carlos. And uh, I wanted to jump right back into this. And um, I wanted to throw the first question out to you, Carlos, and ask um, what what's the what do you think the impact of getting an award is on the cheese maker? You know, does it help them sell the cheese? Um, does it help promote better cheese in general? I mean, does it mean anything at all? You know, what, what, what does it do for the, for the guy that wins or the gal that wins? I mean, it's huge. Um, two years ago, uh, a Manchego won. And it was a Manchego made in a very small production facility in, in Spain. And um, I met the cheese maker uh, a year later. And she told me that uh, an hour after she was named the winner, um, she had sold her entire lot for the next two years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's what it means. It, it actually means a lot uh, for, for small cheese producers, uh, even for big cheese producers, um, you, know, you know, meaning something. And, you know, even if you don't get the top cheese in the competition, the, the smaller um Awards also mean something, and increasingly, I think people that go and buy cheese, they see the they see the logos of the awards, the medals, and people trust them, and they start buying those cheese as well. So it actually impacts sales. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, and I think in addition to that. Uh, you know, winning an award is a real... It's pretty cool. Uh, it's very cool. It's a real affirmation of the work you're doing. You know, uh, 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 most people, by and large, who enter competitions like this uh, don't uh, win anything at all. And uh, what they get, at least from the ACS uh, competition, uh, you know, they get their s score sheets back, which are uh, very detailed and have personal commentary from the uh, judges. And so... Um, uh, uh, that uh, 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 is all that they'll get, but they get feedback on how they might make an improvement or change in their uh, in their cheeses. But the, what Carl said, uh, it's a tremendous opportunity uh, for the uh, cheesemaker themselves to uh, promote the cheese in a, uh, a much stronger way. I mean, yeah, and I sorry, and I agree that uh, you know the ACS. Uh, competition is great for that. I, I think that the work that David and the rest of the group does there, not only are judging those cheeses that are entering competition, but then all that feedback that cheesemakers get is is invaluable, and I think is 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 great. And I'm very happy that the ACS is, has done that for so long because I think it has positively impacted the world of cheese in America and, and cheesemaking in America. Does the internet, do the internationals get their their score sheet back too? They do. Um, it's just uh, because how the ACS uh, competition is uh, created between the technical and the aesthetic, uh, I think some of the feedback uh, is more useful for cheesemakers that are starting. 
Uh, whereas if you're a more established cheesemaker uh, and you already can pay for your own advising and someone to come and troubleshoot some of the problems that you may have, uh, you know, the, the information that you're getting is probably one that you already knew. Um, so it definitely is a, it's, it's a difference. But yes, uh, people also get their their sheet, uh, their their contest sheets with information. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, it's workshopping. That was what that's what what the best thing is. I remember when I was in college, I I loved the workshop. I love. I mean, I, I even if when I turned in writing and when I got it back from my peers, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that guy tore me apart. I hate him. <laughs> but um, it was just the best because that's what helped me get better. Right. You know, I guess craft. that's the beauty of the ACS judging is that only one judge is really allowed to tear you apart, and the other judge has to build you up. That's yeah. your job. Yeah. I was the aesthetic yeah. judge. I was <laughs> I was there to be nice. Yeah. It was a good and time. You were, you were very nice. <laughs> Hard to believe it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a nice guy. Um, so, um, David, maybe you can give us a funny story about judging cheese. Uh, I could. It's a, I'll, I'll try and make it quick. Uh, uh, that uh, uh, this was in San Francisco. Uh, I was last uh, the last time that I had worked as a judge, and I got a dream category for me, which was butter. I love butter. I don't, you know, I grew up in a margarine yeah, house. Butter's good. I love butter. So uh, at that time, there were not that many. It was a smaller category. All the categories were smaller. I had, there had about maybe twenty entries in the entire category, and they weren't subdivided. So you had all the butters together. Uh, my technical partner, Bernie Horton from Cornell gave two entries. We had a tie for first place, and we can't, you have to break a tie for first place because uh, they have to go into a best-of-show competition. So we, the judges have to break their own ties. So Bernie had given a score, to two, a perfect score, to two butters, and uh, uh, we were tied. And he refused, rightly so, this actually became policy, to deduct anything. So I called this perfect, and it's perfect, the end. So I had, nice. to, I had to add like a half a point to one butter or the other. And I really was torn. And one, I'm a sweet butter person, but one butter was just really lightly salted in this way that was just right, you know, just right on tongue. So I gave that one the extra half point. And they both turned out to be the same butter. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were the same butter, just one uh, 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 lightly salted. Uh, and, and so it was a real vindication of the whole process to me because, again, That's we didn't awesome. know what we were tasting. So it was it was perfect. Carlos, what's your most memorable moment as a cheese judge? Um, I, 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 it's a very similar than, than David. Uh, so two years ago, we were judging, uh, and the uh, blue cheese came up, and it was just a fantastic cheese. It had one of the best rinds that I have ever had. It was perfectly developed. And, you know, those rinds that you know that the cheesemaker is paying a lot of attention to his, to his cheese or her cheese. And it was so such a perfect cheese. And, you know, so I went and gave it a five. And then you know, we have a couple of other cheeses. And then the second blue cheese came around, and it was also impeccable cheese. And it was just such a good um expression of milk and flavor and breath bluing and it was just out of this world and so i went and gave it a five thinking like you know what a strange thing to award two blue cheeses a five um not that i won't do it for any other category but uh, it just felt very weird and then when uh the results were announced uh, it was the best in show. Uh, it was a blue cheese uh, f- from Germany. And the second place, it was the same cheese, 
but enter into a different category. And so <laughs> it's nice. one of the double dipper that, there. Know, it vindicates the process that you were involved with because, you know, this came through different tables. It came through different judges and ends up being, you know, it, it, they end up with one point apart. And so it shows That's that interesting. Uh, at least as a judge, you, you want to know that, that, that there's some certainty in the things that I'm doing. And I think these are the perfect examples of showing that there's some certainty that so a good cheese always will race to the top. ACS, you can't just a note there. You can't enter your cheese can't more than double one. dip. Can't enter in more than one category. But that's hilarious. <laughs> it's it's funny. I, and I have, I have one more question for you guys, and then I'll let you go. Like so. And this is just something I was thinking of as we were talking, and it's always something I think of. So you know, you think back to those those earlier competitions. You know, the yeah. in the eighties or even mm-hmm. in two in two thousand, early two thousand, and Carlos, some of your earlier ones, and, and everything grows, and the amount of judges grow. So, I mean, are you finding that you now you sort of alluded to this, Carlos, before? But do you, do you find that as the competition grows and more judges come out, are the judges getting better, or are the judges getting a little less knowledgeable because there's more of them? Uh, I think. Go ahead, sure. Carlos. Go, go ahead, David. Uh, and I, I think that uh, no, I think the number of people of uh, high caliber are, are growing as well uh, with the industry, and uh, uh, we have a certain number of repeat judges that come back. We like to have experienced judges come back, but we're always able to find new judges, and uh, people are. Uh, I would say the quality of the, of the judging uh, continues to be the same, and that the quality of cheeses over that same period of time has improved. Uh, people sometimes think that because you have more cheeses, more things coming in, that there's going to be more mediocrity. And in actuality, it's the opposite, that people know that they can't get any results by sending in something mediocre. So everything has uh, uh, stepped up you know, in a, in a, in a, a way. So I, I don't believe we have experienced that with our, our judges. I think it's been quite the opposite. What about you, Carlos? Yeah, I, I'm in the same way with David. I, I think we are getting be- better judges. And... Um, I, you know, people have heard me say this before. Um, when I was in 2009, uh, our Supreme panel um, was half British. And I, as I looked around, I was like, there is something really wrong about calling the World Cheese Awards something that has so many people from some one place. And I think the World Cheese Awards were very open to, li- to listen to that criticism, and they have done a really strong work to try to find judges from other parts in the world but also to have gender representation and race representation. Mm-hmm. And so it's not only that we're finding people that are terrific cheese people working in the industry, but also people from everywhere in the world. And I think that that speaks volumes about how the industry has transformed mm-hmm. and it continues to transform. And so I'm very happy always to see new people. And then when I get to judge with them or I get to talk to them in the lunch or dinner or, or you know, in the hall um, and, and learn everything that they have done and, you know, everything that I don't know, I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic experience. Uh, being a judge is, is really a treat for someone. Um, and to find those people that are so like-minded mm-hmm. like you, um, it's, it's terrific. So to have more diversity is is good. I agree. I, I got to say, being the judge of any food contest is just so cool. Um, and I love that when you have judges that are. I, I like 
you know, maybe we can get to another show something just about the, the <laughs> process of picking judges mm-hmm. and who's on a panel because you have to have some people who are they have a good palate or they right. their skill set. You have to have the control because yeah. everybody has a bias. Everybody does, and when you have cheeses, all these cheeses laid out there, people are going to recognize them when they see them, when they taste them. All of the reasons why they do or don't like them, whether it's whether they have to do with how it tastes or what it is or otherwise, are, are going to be there. So I always enjoy judging anything with people who are lesser professionals, but with just a good as good a palate. If that well, makes it's sense, it's a it's a issue that, that people bring up all the time. Is you know, and it's the most important thing about any judging is the integrity of the judging, and 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 that even in those uh, uh, situations, as you know, because uh, uh, you were just recently a judge, you know, we instruct our uh, judges not to. Uh, uh, experience bias and not to not to express a personal preference. It's like it's like me checking in a cheese at the counter that I don't really like. I know you know there's certain famous cheeses that I don't really like, and I'm not going to say what they are. But uh, I still know when they're good, and I still know what, you know I still know if it's in good condition or not. So it's the same thing here. If you have a cheese you like, that can't enter into your thought processes while you're evaluating. And it's hard. Cheese. It's, it's hard, hard to, to it do. Out. But I think you know based uh, uh, not uh, the same as uh, Carlos is saying. I think that that's how the judges perform. The most intense judge food judging experience I ever had is I judged a chili contest at a bar that all all the the entries were were made by the brewers. Okay, and so we had a very clear winner, and I was threatened by at least three brewers uh. after that <laughs> after that contest. You uh, know what I mean? Uh, I was like, yeah. I was like, this is some serious stuff here, man. You know, oh. people people take pride in that. I was like, we had to keep us in a separate room or something like that. You know, a number of years ago, I was involved in a mustard tasting contest. There was like 150 entries in the thing. I just got the taste out of my mouth last week uh, from that. <laughs> Note to self, do not taste massive amounts of mustard. Um, so I want to really thank um, Carlos and David for coming on today. Uh, just to recap, uh, check out the petition online, please. It's very important. We need to sell raw milk cheese forever and ever and ever. And um, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, I really enjoyed having you guys on. So Thanks a lot, guys, and uh, stay tuned for more episodes of Cutting the Curd. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 